Church History, Bohemia, Lights and Shadows of the Reformation. London, G. Morrish, 20, Paternoster Square, before 1915. Republished by Irving Risch, host of Down to Earth but Heavenly Minded podcast. Indulgences for Bohemia. The legate was engrossed with raising money for his master. He was armed with a papal bull in which indulgences, that is, papers professing to forgive the sins of those who held them, were granted to those who helped the Pope by enlisting against his enemies. He also granted indulgences for those who would help in money in proportion to their means. Huss opposed these indulgences and it was this that severed him from some of his friends in the university, especially Stephen Pallitz, dean of the theological faculty, who now and hereafter became Huss's determined enemy. Huss said to him, Pallitz is my friend, truth is my friend, and both being my friends. It is my sacred duty to give the first honor to truth. As to the indulgences Huss declared that by them, the foolish man of wealth is betrayed into a false hope, the law of God is set at naught. The rude people give themselves up more freely to sin, grievous sins are thought lightly of, and, in general, the people are robbed of their property. Far be it, therefore, from the faithful to have anything to do with indulgences. Jerome also took up the subject of the papal bulls, and delivered a glowing discourse against them, which so stirred up the hearts of the students that in the evening they rallied round Jerome, and escorted him home in triumph. The students did not stop here, but they got up a mock procession, the papal bulls were hung round some of the necks of women who were placed in a chariot, and the procession went through the principal parts of the city. They then collected a pile of faggots and publicly burnt the bulls. It was intended to be a parody on the burning of Wycliffe's books by the Archbishop. It is certain that Huss had no hand in such an unseemly act, and Jerome long after declared that he did not burn the bulls. It was proved to have been done by one of the king's favourites. The king was vexed at the transaction, and gave strict orders that the priests should not be molested in publishing the bulls. Thus encouraged they went on with their work industriously, but one day as they were exhorting the people to buy the indulgences, three young men, artisans, called out to one of the preachers, Thou liest. Master Huss has taught us better than that. We know it is all false. The priests managed to seize these young men and carry them before the senate, who met on the next day, and, in accordance with the edict of the king, condemned them to death. Huss hastened to the senate, and demanded a hearing. Two thousand students accompanied him, and the senate could not refuse. Huss declared that he looked upon the fault of these young men as his own, and he deserved death more than they. The Senate promised him that no blood should be shed. Believing they would keep their promise, he left the Senate chamber, and the excitement calmed down. The Senate however did not mean to keep its word. A few hours later a body of soldiers were brought, and the three prisoners were hurried away to the place of execution. It soon became known, and many began to run after the procession. Every moment the excitement and the numbers increased and, fearing a tumult, the authorities halted before they came to the accustomed place, and smote off the heads of the three young men. When the executioner had done his work he called out, let him who does like expect to suffer the same fate, when many called out. We are all ready to do the like and suffer the same. Several and especially the Beguines, see note. Stepped forward and dipped their handkerchiefs in the blood and kept them as relics. A woman also offered linen to enshroud the bodies, and one, attached to Huss, with a company of students, conveyed the bodies to Bethlehem Chapel. With hymns and songs they buried their remains amid great solemnities, under the direction of Huss. Note, Begin, was a term of reproach given to certain pious women, similar to the term Pietist or Puritan. End of note. The three were naturally looked upon as martyrs, and Bethlehem Chapel was called by many, the Chapel of the Three Saints. Had not Huss preached the truth? Had not these young men learnt it? Were they not put to death because they stated the truth? If the truth had really reached their hearts they were martyrs.
it was indeed a dreadful sin for the priests to pretend to sell for money the forgiveness of sins, call it by the name of indulgence or any name you please. The death of these young men had been attended by so much excitement that others who were in prison were liberated, while the hands of the true friends of Bethlehem Chapel were strengthened. The truths taught had borne fruit, and they were truths worth dying for. The news that Huss was condemning the sale of indulgences soon reached the Pope, who put the matter into the hands of Cardinal Peter de Saint Angelo, charging him to use the severest measures against the heretic. The Cardinal pronounced the sentence of excommunication against Huss. In twenty days, if he disobeyed the Pope, the ban was to be proclaimed in the churches with the ringing of all the bells and the extinguishing of all the tapers. By a second order from the Pope, who by this time had perhaps heard of all that had taken place at Prague, they were to seize at once on Huss, and deliver him or condemn and burn him. Bethlehem Chapel was to be destroyed to its foundation. The senators met together, and resolved to carry the orders of the Pope into execution. On October 2nd they proceeded to disperse the congregation at Bethlehem and seize Huss. But they were met with such a firm resolution on the part of the congregation that they were compelled to abandon their object. They resolved however that they would destroy the chapel, but, when this became known, such commotions arose that they were compelled to give this up also. Huss solemnly appealed from the Pope to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was advised that for a time Huss should leave Prague. This he agreed to, and retired to some of the strong castles of his friends, one of the first being the castle of Cozy Radic, belonging to the Lords of Osti. The king now strove to bring about a compromise for the sake of the peace of the kingdom, but it all ended in no real union. The papal party made the pope and all he did the ultimate appeal, while the friends of Huss insisted upon the holy scriptures. In the meantime Huss was busy studying the word and writing, and especially a work on the church. Huss reverted to the passage, where two or three are gathered together in my name there am I in the midst of them. There then, said he, would be a true particular church. Christ alone is the all-sufficient head of the church. Then he turned and looked at that which called itself the church, and said, We may well be amazed to see with what effrontery those who are most devoted to the world, who live most worldly and abominable lives, most distant from the walk with Christ, and who are most unfruitful in performing the counsels and commandments of Christ, with what fearless effrontery such persons assert that they are heads, or eminent members, of the church, which is his bride, just at that time as we have seen, John XXIII was Pope claimed to be the head of the church, and yet he was one of the most wicked of men. Though in retirement Huss was continually writing to his friends, and ever and anon he longed to be preaching again in Bethlehem Chapel. This desire became so strong that in 1413 he braved all dangers and paid short visits to Prague, spent a few hours in communion with his friends. Retiring again to privacy as soon as his presence began to be known outside the circle of his friends. To be nearer Prague he came to reside at a castle at Krakowitz. There too he began preaching, and numbers flocked together from all quarters to hear him. 